Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training. Good, specialized training. Something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Parker Wahlbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, and it propelled our business. Hey everybody, and welcome to Wedding Videography for Beginners. I am your host, Phil Beabout, and today we were talking about longevity in your wedding business with Jeff Brule. So I've I've had a chance to talk to Jeff a few times, like we've we've had we've crossed paths and that kind of stuff, and it was was really great to sit down and talk to Jeff about his company's been going for twelve years, so he's got a lot of good insights into like what they've done to stay relevant, you know, how they've adapted to different things throughout the years and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a really good conversation on what you should really be thinking about when you're, you know, if you're starting a company and you want that company to, to last for a few years, like this is Jeff is they're, they're on the right track. Like they're, they're doing exactly exactly the right things. That's why they're able to increase their prices. They're, they're able to, you know, he mentions that they, they're not charging or they're, they're not spending any money on advertising anymore because they get so many referrals and that kind of stuff. Like, it's just, it's really, uh, it was a really great conversation. I was super excited to have him on, uh, Jeff's team, the ready set film, they won best of Boston in 2012 and 2017. And then they're also members of the Boston wedding group. So, Let's just sit back. You know, it was a great conversation. Towards the end, we took the last few minutes and we just talked about traveling because Jeff and I love to travel. And it was just great to talk to somebody about, you know, traveling since none of us have had a chance to do it uh, in the last year or so. So it was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And let's get right to it. All right. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm really excited to talk to you about travel. But in, in the meantime, why don't we kind of start from the beginning with where or how did Ready Set Film start? Yeah, awesome. So Ready Set Film was basically born out of a hobby that accidentally became a business. I had worked in retail for a number of years and had started kind of playing around with some camera stuff on the side. And uh, one thing led to another. I used to like basically do a lot of bootleg concert videos back in the day. And then I had friends that were in bands that would actually have me film the concert and we'd do like little DVDs or whatever. Um, I always loved filming travel from like when I was really young. I would always bring a, a camcorder on a, on a trip with me. And those are still a lot of fun to look back on. Um, the weddings just became kind of an accident. So what happened was I wanted to get like a new HD camera. This is back around 2007 when like HD cameras were kind of coming out to the consumer market at that point. 
and mm -hmm. I had a friend that was getting a friend of a friend that was getting married, basically offered to film her wedding um, and just got really into it. I kind of went online, saw what was possible, figured I better, better learn what I'm doing at first. Uh, brought along a buddy of mine who still on occasion works with me to this day, um, just because he had done a few weddings for friends in the past and uh, kind of want to see what it was all about. Um, but I think once my eyes opened up to like what was possible, um, and you know, that was kind of an exciting point where we were just starting to transition to DSLRs to, to film instead of camcorders. Um, people were doing, you know, I guess more artsy and creative things and telling great stories with films. Um, so that, that kind of lit off a spark and I had basically started doing weddings on the side, just done a handful, a um, little bit of other video work as well. Um, here and there, just small stuff for like local websites, that sort of thing. And um, I was lucky enough in April of 2009 to get laid off from my full-time job. I was a manager for Toys R Us lucky actually enough. at that point. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only one of us is still in business today. Um, so yeah. it worked out great, but oh, yeah. it was such a blessing. Yeah. I in the, in the past, I had, um, I had worked for, I don't know if you remember a company called Tweeter. They were like a home entertainment company. And I put in about six or seven years with them. And it was a really fun job. And that's kind of what, what got me more into the technology. Um, but working, you know, spending your Christmas season working 60, 70 hours a week in a toy store is just not, not any fun. So I was very happy to be relieved of that. And I figured that was as good a point as any to, to just take that leap of faith, see if it could make something happen with the business, you know, give it a couple of months. And fortunately, I have not taken uh, a job since then. <laughs> so it worked out great. Yeah, you, uh, a month after I got laid off, I was at a wedding where I re-met uh, my wife. We had known each other in middle school and we started dating right after that. So couldn't, couldn't have been any, any better oh, right timing. On. Yeah, no, right on. Uh, and you said that was 2009 when you made the official shift to just full-time weddings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, actually I remember the exact day. It was Toys April 20th, 2009 when I got laid off. So yeah, no, that's crazy. Uh, what, when you were looking at training, just, I'm just mildly curious right now, when you were looking at training stuff back in 2007, what was it? Like what, what was they just showing you how to use like a handy cam? Like, on a, like what was the, yeah. So back then, that's a great question. A lot of stuff was, um, there were like different forums back then. Um, and mm -hmm. then I don't know if you know, like Patrick, uh, Moreau from Muse, he was still motion back then. So they were doing a bunch of stuff. I was lucky enough to do like one of their like actual, like in-person courses in Toronto, um, shortly oh. after I started doing this full time. So that was certainly a big help in moving things forward. And it was really exciting as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very much more small community based. We had, um, up until a number of different years ago, there was a, a group in New England called the New England NPVA, like the New England Professional Videographers Association. And um, we basically met like once a month back then. And it was a lot of older guys that have been doing it for a, a long time. But we just all shared information and, and kind of learned and grew from each other. So that, that was great back then, too. What happened to that? It just kind of fizzled out. I think so much stuff has shifted to online. Like obviously when I started, yeah. I had a YouTube channel, but no one was really teaching people how to do this sort of thing on YouTube. Um, so I think just over time, people started doing more, you know, more online, less people were coming to the meetings and, you know, it just kind of fizzled out. So it's too bad, oh. but I think there's also a, like a lot of great communities cool. online now too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, when you started... Let's let's just say when you started the full time route in two thousand nine, what what were you charging for for a wedding? I was charging like between eighteen hundred and twenty five hundred bucks somewhere around there. 
I think I had uh, my best package, which basically included everything under the sun, might have been like 2800 bucks. And we'd do like a rehearsal dinner the day of, film something, you know, before the wedding for them, like a little engagement video. And then I do like a long form video, uh, a same day edit and like, you know, some sort of short highlight after that as well. So <laughs> there was a lot. You know, it's 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 really funny that everybody does the same thing. Like that's everybody starts off with doing everything and for us we've we've been in business for three years now and i've one one person from three years ago their wedding is now this year because it got bumped and bumped so that wedding is like i was looking at this list of stuff and was like oh my god what are we doing (laughs) so it's gonna i mean it's good like it's it's fine it was just it's really funny that everybody starts off doing the same just throwing everything at people. It's like, here, you want a ceremony edit? You want a four-hour edit? Like, you got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, we used man. to do, like, Blu-rays and DVDs back then, and I'd spend, like, a day designing, like, a Blu-ray case in Photoshop, and we still have some of them. They're pretty cool, but uh, it's certainly changed quite a bit. Yeah, you make the little leaflet that goes inside of it that's got, you know, superimposed images and credits on the back. Did you, you did, like, the whole nine yards? Oh yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah we had these awesome. like custom jewel yeah. cases that we made. So you'd like print a insert front and back, then print like a back cover, and it would line up on the sides. Perfect. It would um, actually the guys that um, do MediaZilla now they had like a DVD company back then, so they used to sell templates for all this stuff, and you could put together these like After Effects, oh. uh, you know, like motion graphics menus, which we did like Adobe Encore, which are really cool. So, but I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've I've never I never burned a wedding DVD. So I've never, but that was, that was before my time. So luckily it's all been yeah. online. Yeah, I use Webflow. That, that's what we use. But, uh, yeah, that's a cool one as well. What, what are you charging? I, I like it. I like it. It's just pay per use. Like it's, it's convenient. So yeah, go ahead. Totally. Webflow hit me up if you want to sponsor me. I'm here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually locked into MediaZilla really early on, and we have a lifetime subscription of that. So that, that's definitely worked out really well for us. Yeah, MediaZilla is nice. It's nice. We used it. I used it when we were just starting, and we just we just kind of shifted. So, yeah. But uh, what are you charging now for a wedding? For most, like a full day wedding, obviously a lot's changed over the last year. We've, <laughs> like yeah. I swore well, many yeah. years ago, I would never yeah. do like just the ceremony. Um, so lately, you know, the past year or so, we've been doing a lot of these small like micro weddings where we're just filming the ceremony. But our typical like eight hour day is usually 6500 as a base rate. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good price. It's a really good price. So we're we're just now getting we're breaking that like 5k crest like we're just crossing over that right now so we're we're starting to we're excited yeah travel wise that's really fun when yeah no it is it is it's awesome like it's it's exciting like it's i love booking a wedding like there's just something exhilarating about it when somebody's like yes we want to go with you it's like ha (laughs) very strange i love it yeah it really never gets old (laughs) yeah um do you i know that destination weddings like just in general isn't really your thing but where where do you think like the coolest wedding that you've shot has been um so the coolest wedding i've shot was actually at a ranch in texas it was and i say ranch loosely 
um, because when we showed up to this place, here I am thinking it's going to be a ranch wedding. We've done a few in like Colorado and whatnot. So I'm thinking there's going to be tons of animals and that sort of thing. Not at all. This was, uh, I guess, a friend of the groom had this unbelievable vacation home, which is like something you could only dream of. So it was basically like a Mm. 3000 acre property with like a mile long driveway. I want to say the main house is like 40,000 square feet and it was just unbelievably beautiful. They had like a nine hole private golf course on there, uh, you know, all sorts of crazy ATV vehicles to like take you all around. Um, but it was just oh, like Texas. an un- unreal space, <laughs> like nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> Gotta love it. Do you, uh, do you, um, do you ever, you follow secret Boston on Instagram? <clears throat> it's no, uh, secret. Boston's got some funny, they, they got some one, just on a completely different note for anybody that's listening, this in new England, that secret Boston group puts out information on like cool things that are going on that most people probably don't know about like little hidden gems of things that are going on. So it's actually really neat the the content they have, but they also have really, really funny like Boston memes and you know, I completely lost track of where I was going with that. It was exactly what we were just talking about. Well, they had one that showed New York in a grid and it shows, you know, how the, the streets go like numbered or East to West. And then the, the actual like words like Columbus, they go North to South. So there's like a logical grouping when you, when you tell somebody where to go, like, you know, that what direction you're traveling just by what the road is that you're on. And then it's like New York built this beautiful grid. And it's like Boston and it shows a picture of just like the squirrely lines <laughs> going through these neighborhoods. And it's like, <laughs> F you. That's why. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. You don't realize how bad the roads are in Boston until you see it from an aerial view. And you're like, oh, my God, there is no straight road in there whatsoever. You're going down like Commonwealth and it's just zigzagging through everything. You're like, what's going on here? Oh. But yeah, no, Secret Boston is pretty cool. So if you, they, they have like a really, a lot of neat things. Uh, I guess there's some kind of Van Gogh experience that's going on in the city. So they like showed you how to get to it to actually buy tickets and that kind of stuff. It's like some kind of 3D immersive private thing. So completely, oh, really completely cool. off topic of what, of what we were talking about. But um, <laughs> so the reason why I wanted to chat with you specifically today is I want to talk about longevity in just wedding videography businesses, because there's only one person that I know personally that has a business longer than you. And that's George and George, me and George were talking yesterday on the podcast. So it's really funny that all of us kind of, we're all chit chatting throughout the week. (laughs) And so like he was talking about Boston wedding group and some other stuff, but you know, George's business, they've been around for 40 years and that's a feat. Yeah. Like that, that's a, that is a feat. But most wedding videography companies fizzle out, including photographers. They they fizzle out in like the first year to two years. They just kind of, let alone if you were trying to do, you know, last year was your first or second year. That would just be brutal. But I guess what I, w- I want to talk to you about progression because that progression leads to longevity. At least that's how I kind of looked at it. And as you were, you know, let's, let's kind of go from the, the $1,500, $1,800, $1,800 weddings to, you know, now where you're at 65 plus, like what, what were the things that you really focused on to start that, like 
progression through you know raising your prices and then you know obviously building more clientele and that kind of stuff yeah so the prices went up fast for for sure i think early on after i started doing a lot of training things someone was like your prices are way too low you should just double them and i pretty much took his advice <laughs> so from then on i want to say after I was full time for just over a year, like, you know, so maybe two, three years into it, um, we had weddings that were booking well over 5000 at that point. Um, so I think we made a pretty good jump early on. And since then, it's just kind of been more or less like paced with inflation. Um, and we've try tried to like streamline what we do and give a better experience and all that. But the initial thing that was great for us is, number one, we started at a time where DSLRs were brand new. So this like beautiful like film look that we're all really used to at this point uh, really stood out. So I think that we were one of the few yeah. people that were doing that at that point. Um, so that definitely helped. And I still love same day edits. We um, pretty much I did same day edits like really early on as, as like as soon as I found out it was a thing, I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to do that. And I did. And uh, we've done well over a hundred of them now. And I still think it's a really awesome experience, but that's probably one of the best things I did early on because that is just one of those opportunities where you get to have, you know, a hundred, 200 people actively watching your work, you know, that night when they're all super excited about it. Um, so in terms of referrals, I don't think there's anything that's been better than that. Yeah. Well, let's, so walk me through the same day edit. Cause one, we don't offer it. So that's, and I want to, cause I'm horrified of, I assumed, and I could be wrong, but I assumed that I would have a third person working. So just one person who I'm just walking past and just dumping a memory card to, and just walk, just keep on going like, here you go, bud. And then, you know, Brittany drops her cards off and that one person is editing. Or is that, is that how you do it or what? Or you More or less. So either Amanda or, or myself, whoever's in charge of the wedding, will will take care of the edit. So we'll be like the primary editor. Uh, but everyone on our team cuts their own clips at certain parts of the day. So typically, whoever shoots groom prep or bride prep, depending on the wedding, um, they'll cut their clips from that. They know exactly what we're looking for. Um, so they're basically just throwing the the card on the computer, doing a rough timeline with just you know short clips of the good stuff. And then um, usually at some point, like after cocktail or a photo session, we'll have someone do that as well. But whoever the primary editor is, is going to take the, the, the main story pieces. So the sound bites from the ceremony, the sound bites from the speeches, whatever else, maybe they write a card or that sort of thing. Um, and we'll take care of that. So that's kind of where we start, even with our same day edits, usually about three to four minutes long. Um, definitely got a lot of sound bites. So we, we try and focus on a great story even for those. So we'll have, you know, maybe some clips from their vows, the homily, you know, the speeches and whatever we can cram in there, you know, in the limited amount of time that we have to work with. How many people are on the team? So it's always three of us, uh, on very rare occasion. Um, I've done it with two, but that's, that's a nightmare. <laughs> I think really only yeah, if it's Amanda yeah, yeah, and myself, yeah, we can do it with yeah. two of us, but other than that, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine doing the same day edit with two people. That's why I haven't done it because I just, I'd be yeah. in there like yelling at a computer and people are like, "What's he so mad about?" <laughs> um, it's stressful, but man. it's it's also really gratifying too. Yeah. Now, do you take with the same day edit? Is that their edit? Like, are you cutting them like a like? Is that their four minute highlight film and then you're you're done? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's, that's the edit. So that's what they get. Plus, we most of our couples do a full documentary edit as well. Um, but yeah, that's their highlight film. And it's pretty much 95% what we show on the day is what they get. Like, obviously, we'll go in if we made any mistakes, or we'll go in and color it after. 
Um, but it's very rare. There might be like a couple of clips we'll swap out if we were like, oh, I had this really cool shot from the first dance I want to use instead. But for the most part, you know, what you see that night is what they get. Oh, it's awesome. That's such a good idea. <laughs> That's, that makes me so jealous. Right Definitely now. helps with backlog. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I, there's one other person that I heard say that they did that and i was like man that's just that's genius um what was i gonna say so what what do you think and i'm not saying this to be facetious so don't don't take this the wrong way what what have you done to have stayed relevant in the last 12 years um so i think funny enough like consistency has played a big part of it like we really haven't tried to change our style too much. We've always tried to improve the quality of what we're doing, you know, better lenses, better camera, camera equipment, better audio, um, and certainly, you know, be better at our craft. I think, you know, I'm certainly even today, I'm much better at lighting things than I was, you know, maybe even just a few years ago. So you certainly have to continue yeah. to improve and continue to learn. Um, but consistency and quality is, is really big. Um, just especially for like a lot of the people that refer us, just providing a great experience for all the couples that we work with. And, you know, also being great to work with on the wedding day, I think plays a, a huge part. I know a lot of people tend to make this a little bit more of a production than it has to be. So we're all about just kind of capturing really great quality, but, you know, stay, staying out of the way as much as possible and, and doing it in our, our low key manner. Yeah, we, we definitely try to, uh, we definitely try to capture the moments in between the photographer, if that makes sense. Like as soon as somebody's done posing, it seems like their real personality pops out. And that seems to be like the most genuine things between, you know, the couple. So it's, we always try to like nab those little things in between it. We don't, and <clears throat> we have our like go-to poses. Like I've, I probably have like 10, 15 that I like. Um, but for the most part, we try to stay out of the way. We try to just kind of blend into the background and just, you know, you don't want to have somebody with a camera knee deep in your eyeball for six hours. <laughs> That's just not exactly. the only break. We've all seen anything, those, those so. horror stories online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I remember when we, speaking of online, I, I remember when we first started, we were on YouTube we were, we were trying to look at other people's work and that kind of stuff, just doing the normal, like we just wanted to see other wedding videos. And there, there was one person who like you just watching it. I remember watching that and just thinking to myself without knowing too much about the camera, I had done some small camera work, nothing crazy by any means. And I just, I watched it and was like, I can definitely do better than that. Like that's, like there was one shot that's really stood out to me where the groom is in his house and the dog is doing something that he shouldn't. And the groom's like swatting at the dog with a belt. And I'm just right, wrong or indifferent. I'm just watching that going, why would you put that in that video <laughs> like out of all the shots? Like why that one? And it was just so like they would do like those old school, um, uh, like 1990s, like interview, you know, where the person is like clearly backed up against the wall and is uncomfortable. And they're asking him like, <laughs> who, who kissed who first? And you're just, I'm thinking to myself, like, why, why is that coming up? 
Like what? And I remember just looking at Brittany and just telling her, like, I, I was like, I guarantee you I could do something. I can do something better than that. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Made me feel bad. <clears throat> yeah, everyone does that. Uh, I guess when we started, everyone's doing that sort of cheesy, you know, pass the mic around the table sort of thing. And that was one of the, the big things that I always would tell people is like, we're not going to do that or put people in an awkward position. Yeah, it's just, you know, no one wants to be forced to, to say something on camera. Yeah, I mean, what what we like to do is sit down with like the groom and the bride separately and just ask them a couple of questions. Like we we call them a video messages yeah. that way. They don't think it's like an interview. But we I really like doing that because you get some like really good emotional, like heartfelt answers that you that you wouldn't expect. And it's, it's only like four or five questions. It's not like it's just crazy. It's not like who who kissed who first. It's like, hey, man, you know, what are you feeling right now? Like, what what's going on? And then they just start, they start talking. And next thing you know, you're like, man, this is just, this is audio gold. <laughs> like, that's, so yeah, that's awesome. I like I doing that, that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, that, that stuff is, but uh, yeah, I mean, so speaking to, to kind of go back to what you were saying earlier, when we kind of, we, we glanced around last year and you're like, Oh, I didn't do ceremonies. Like I, I told myself I'd never, I think you said, I told myself I would never, I'd never shoot just ceremony only. That's a perfect segue into what, what have you been doing just to adapt, especially like a, a COVID including, but I know, you know, as things change and progress over the better part, over a decade, like that's a long span so like, what, what do you think, what do you think are some of the best things that you've done to kind of adapt to like changes in trends and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I think I, I looking back at the past year, definitely diversifying what we do. Um, even I think maybe a week after I started doing this full time, I had a big corporate job. I like filmed a sales conference for a week. So, um, weddings have never been the sole focus of the business. It's always been, you know, a, a good pool of whatever, whatever we can get our hands on. Um, but that being said, we've been doing over the last few years, a lot of nonprofit work, and that's just been really awesome and mm. really inspiring to see that, um, sometimes, you know, the, the storytelling can have a big impact in a way that, you know, it can help, help these small organizations raise a ton of money. Um, and with that, I think a lot of these people, you know, know other people that work in similar organizations and that's really helped our, our referral base and definitely really helped us get through the past year where we've been able to, you know, take a lot of these events that nonprofits did and help them put them online and, you know, run through virtual programs and incorporating different things that way. So, so that's been a, a lot of fun, but, you know, definitely don't put your, all your eggs in one basket. You know, you certainly want to be passionate about the things that you're doing, but um, I would certainly, you know, look beyond one aspect of video work in, in order to make, you know, a long-term career out of it. Yeah. I mean, we've done, it's, it's weird. We've done a weird diversification. Like we, we started doing real estate. Like, so we, we started with weddings, right? And then we broke out and started doing wet real estate. I did a couple small commercial projects, nothing too fancy, you know, nothing crazy, just interviews and that kind of stuff. And then it seemed like when COVID hit, we consolidated everything back down into weddings and then just diversified what we were doing with weddings. Like I, I haven't shot a real estate video in like a year and a half. The last one I did was on uh, Nantucket and we haven't, we haven't touched anything like that. It's just been, we, we started offering more services like 
ceremony only, ceremony only edits uh, and co- <clears throat> coverage and like live streaming. Like we we just started offering like you know early in the pandemic we switched over and I grabbed a uh, a Rode Wireless Go when it came out. Don't tell Brittany, but I got the Wireless oh, nice. Go too, and it'll get here in like two days. So <laughs> I got the email a few <laughs> minutes ago saying from Adorama was like your thing's shipped, and I was like, oh, Brittany's gonna be so mad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I I you know I think a lot of people don't. Well, they, they don't put enough credit into diversifying into like just breaking into different things and then getting out of your comfort zone and trying to do so. And that's also one reason why I think so many businesses just in general fail. I mean, look at Kodak. So. Yeah. Your passion has a lot to do with it too. And I think when you get your hands into different types of projects, it keeps you a little bit more excited. I know for me it does. So I definitely have always liked to mix it up as much as I can. Yeah, we have a, um, when, so I make a long story short, I, I owned a law, well, I still own a law enforcement training company. And when I set all of that up, somebody was like, oh, you should get set up in what's called SAM, the system for award management for the federal government. So actually I went through everything. Like I have a government contracting license. I can actually bid on government contracts for videography work and, you know, telecommunications and all kinds of stuff. But the, uh, I've been like itching to, so completely unrelated. The Marine Corps has a a special operations unit. Now it's called MARSOC. They, they didn't have it when I was in, it was, a the Marines were very tight knit when I was in, and then they finally, they finally moved into the, the MARSOC realm, but, uh, they put out a bid for somebody to do their social media videos. So like make, I don't know, six, one minute long commercials, you know, just do stuff for recruitment for Marine Corps special operations command. Some 23 year old kid. Do you know how much money the contract he won was? Just take a guess, throw out a number. Oh, I don't know. 20 grand. Yeah. $550 million for five years. That's insane. Wow. (laughs) It's it's you could you could spend $80 million a year and make a Hollywood movie for the Marine Corps special for just just one unit. This isn't the entire Marine Corps. That's the other thing. It's just one unit. And then still keep 20 million to yourself. It's that is bananas. Yeah, that's a good gig. I take that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I keep my, you know, I've, I've, I've been on a couple things. I've never won anything. So don't, you know, don't, don't think that I'm like some kind of baller over here. I've never, I've, I've been on like three projects, but <laughs> I definitely, when we're talking about diversifying and that kind of stuff, like I definitely want to move into a realm of even bidding on, you know, projects for like one of the ones that I was looking at, um, uh, it was through the U S department of forestry and it was a five minute educational video on a monument in Arizona that went for like $220,000 for somebody to come in, you know, DP key grip grips. You know what I mean? They have, they, they would script it, storyboard it, that kind of stuff. But yeah, gov- government contracting, like it's, it's a good place to be. <laughs> you know, yeah. the government's got money <laughs> and they pay <laughs> they sure do yeah <laughs> yeah so 
man, I like talking to you. It's fun. We're, uh, oh yeah. Why don't we, since, since we, since I went on a tangent to talking about government contracts, so there, there's a reason why I was talking about that just in general. Don't limit yourself to things. Like don't, don't put yourself in a box. Don't limit yourself. Like always, I know I am always trying to think of the next thing, which really drives my wife crazy because as soon as she gets comfortable doing things, I'm a firm believer that you should not live in a state of comfort. Like you should all, like, that's just my mindset. You should always be uncomfortable. Like you should, that, that invoice that you're sending out should make you uncomfortable when you look down at that number. Like, that's how I look at it. Like that's, you know, if you, so I'm just saying, always, always be pushing yourself and always, always be looking for, for other things that you can be working on. That's just me. But yeah, definitely. And don't be afraid to spend other people's money too. It's it's a lot different. You know, oh, yeah. if, if you're thinking about this as someone that's new in the business, it's a lot different. You know, five grand might be a lot to you, but to the person on the other end, it might just be a drop in the bucket. So you want to definitely want to charge what you're worth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, I want to talk about longevity. And then I put Jeff loves to travel. I love to travel. So in, in, in the last part of the podcast, we're just going to be talking about traveling. So I don't know how much wedding stuff is going to be going on at that point. I just want to talk about traveling because I haven't, haven't really left the house in like nine months. So like, let's, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about, uh, yeah, we'll talk about longevity and, and we'll, we'll talk about some goals. All right. Do you still email a PDF for a contract? Are you struggling to remember who you sent files to or what those files were? You need a solid CRM, a customer relation management tool, a program that will send professional files and contracts all on your behalf. One that does not need to be printed, signed, and emailed back. Is this the Stone Age? You need HoneyBook. We've been using them for years now, and it increased our productivity by taking menial tasks and automating them. You can set up custom workflows to automatically send emails, payment reminders, thank you responses, etc. You can send brochures, questionnaires, and invoices too. We have three set up. One for when a couple inquires, one for after a call with a couple, and one for a booked wedding with nine steps. That saves us so much time on the back end. What would you do with more time? Spend more time with your family, spend more time working on creative projects, or just simply relaxing. Use our affiliate link below to save 50% on your first year. Go ahead. It's on us. Start saving time and money today. All right, everybody. Welcome back from break. Uh, I am here with Jeff from Ready, Set, Film, and I we wanted to get right into longevity. So I guess, Jeff, what what would you recommend for people to kind of put in place for this longevity, like to, if you wanted your business to go 10, 20, 30 years, like what, what do you think, what do you think you would, you would recommend? Yeah. So I would start with putting together some good systems, like just set up, uh, you know, a certain way of doing things with your business. Um, and there's a lot of things that we've done over the years that have really helped out. Like, for example, I hate doing bookkeeping. Um, so we have a bookkeeping company that we use. We have a really great accountant. Um, I think uh, like a lot of people, I see a lot of people asking for advice on how do I put together my contract? Well, hire a lawyer. That's, <laughs> that's going to be very helpful mm, instead yeah. of, you know, trying to do it yourself or get advice from other videographers online. Um, so definitely look for professional help when you can. Um, 
you certainly want to have good systems in place for your business so that you know everything is consistent from one job to the next uh that doesn't mean like obviously weddings i think can be very unique so we try and you know put a, a little bit of a different spin on every video and, and do things in their own different way um but at the same time we have a very good system in place for how many cameras we're showing up with uh, we do two weddings in a day sometimes like my wife and i'll film separate so we have to make sure that we have enough stuff you know set up for each of those to run properly and give each of those the cu couples the same experience as you know they might have if it, it's just one wedding that day. Um, so definitely putting together systems in place and, you know, certainly being consistent in the quality of work that you offer. And I think if you're doing a really great job and, and you love it and your passion comes through that, um, you know, for us, we haven't had to advertise in a long time. And I know some people have a different train of thought around that, but we barely spend, mm -hmm. you know, maybe uh, in the past year, I bet you we haven't spent a hundred bucks on advertising. <laughs> so, um, if you've been, you know, very consistent, you're doing a great job, you have a good referral source and you know, those things will kind of take care of themselves. Yeah. I mean, we, we started using Todoist, which has really like, I, I, so I, I have a background in project management and I, so I have like my PMP and a six Sigma black belt and all that stuff. But the, uh, I really liked it to do us like it's very organized because I used to keep a notebook in front of me and I would just literally write down each thing that I needed to do and then just go through and one line at one line at one line it and just rinse and repeat to do us is just a very clean way of doing that. Plus, um, what we did at the beginning of this year is we mapped out like we wrote a vision statement. So we wrote an actual it's December of 2021 and and then you just start rolling out the things that you want to see done. Then we took each one of those, broke it down into goals, put those into quarterly goals. And then those are the things that we're trying to target each quarter of the year. So we're, we're trying to take a more like structured and rigorous approach to our business at this point, rather than, uh, just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Like I was doing a couple of years ago, like, Hey, I hope they book. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that definitely helps, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you say at the very end? I had something that I wanted to follow. You you had mentioned something at the very, very end of what you were just saying. I want to talk about systems. Oh, uh, yeah, I was talking That's about was. just having systems in place. And okay, the, the referral network. You you said make sure that you said that you have a very strong referral network, and I've noticed, like in our last three guests, every person that is doing more expensive, higher end weddings, people that have been in business for, you know, a decade, they're all saying the same things. And now I know Jeff, you and I are talking, but for people that are tuning in and listening, like you, every person has mentioned networking in some way, shape or form. It's people that they know. It's how they've interacted with people. And it's those people like the referral network that is giving you, Jeff, business. And I think a lot of people just, they discredit that kind of right off the bat. Like, I don't think enough people put in the time to kind of curate uh, a relationship like that. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm noticing a trend. Every person I talk to is saying pretty much the same thing. So what a I think I think it just comes what, back to being easy to work with and you know delivering a great experience whether it be a great experience to your client or you know other people in the industry that that's where it certainly helps 
Yeah. I mean, how did you avoid burnout? Take lots of vacations. <laughs> so uh, I, again, I think it goes back to something I said earlier, like not trying to do everything yourself, um, get help where you need it. I don't do any of the doc edits anymore, like the full length ceremony speeches. It's very rare that Amanda or myself will do those. We have someone, someone else on our team that'll take care of those. Um, so that gives that kind of frees us up to do more of the creative stuff, put together the short little highlight films that we love doing um, and not get burnout from, you know, sitting at the editing desk for 50 hours a week, because certainly early on, we did plenty of that, too. So, um, yeah, it's definitely just helped to, to kind of uh, take take a lot of time off. We schedule a lot of vacations as much as we can um, and, you know, certainly put in put in the time you have to. But definitely a good work life balance has has helped tremendously. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I I 100% agree with work life balance. I I actually um, reached out to Arceus Creative, and they're going to edit our first couple of videos this year. This will be the first time somebody other than me has edited any of our highlight videos, and I wanted to give it a whirl. And it's not, <clears throat> I am not a super creative person. Like I do not consider myself like an artist, if that makes sense. I. I think that I'm good at the technical stuff. I know how to use the cameras. I know how to operate the cameras. I don't, you know, break down and cry and curl up into a ball if something wrong is going on. I just figure out a way to fix it and then keep trudging forward. But like, I really like color grading and I think that I'm good at color grading, which is subjective. But the, um, I, I think it might be better for me to give the editing to someone else. Uh, they might make a better edit than I do. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not going to sit like, I, I also think that if you are good at something, no matter what that is, that doesn't mean that you should stop doing it and try to be good at something else. Like, I firmly believe that you should get better at the thing that you're already good at and let somebody else do the thing that you're not because you're never going to get as good as them. Totally. So it's kind of, yeah. But um, yeah, so th this will be the first May is our first wedding right now, right? Is as it stands, May 20th is our first wedding. So that, that wedding is going to go to Archaeus and then we're going to see how it is. But just to piggyback with what you were saying with work-life balance, I firmly believe in a work-life balance because I, when I worked at the nuclear power plant here, you know, you just lived at work. I'd work like 16, 17 hour days and then be on the phone with somebody three hours after I got home. Like it was just nonstop and that's not healthy. At all. <clears throat> I don't, I don't think that that's healthy by any means, but I also think on the flip side of that though, some people use work-life balance as a crutch to not really move forward with things. If that makes sense. Like I think some people just kind of hang their hat on the work-life balance thing, just as an excuse not to develop better skills or, you know, figure out a new process or do something better within their company. And I, I do think there's a fine line. It, you know, but I'm, I'm no way, shape or form trying to tell people to get up at zero four, you know, and go, go do all this hoopla. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not, I don't, I don't know if that's the right answer either, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned, you know, we're, we're only a few years in and I was already thinking like, you know, and you actually, you're, you're, you're a good person to talk to about this. Like what right now I have a full-time job. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening also have part-time jobs, full-time jobs, that kind of stuff. So it allows me to be selective. Like I can really uh, choose 
our couples and that kind of stuff, because I have a full-time income to fall back on. I don't need to, you know, really worry too much if they don't book. And a lot of people aren't in that position. So trust me, that's not lost to me, but I have a retirement. I have like, I have a pension, not, not just a 401k. Like I have an actual pension and I work for the state. So I get, you know, the state has amazing benefits, just crazy benefits. And I still think that within the next like six to seven months, this will be our full-time gig. But I'm horrified at leaving that like safety net, if that kind of makes sense. Like I just, I, I'm, you know, at 65, if I've been doing videography for, that'd be another 25 years. Uh, what am I falling back on? Y- you know what I mean? Like what, I guess, how, how have you reconciled that? Cause you obviously have, you've been doing this for over 10 years. This is going to be your, your life's work. So what, what, what do you recommend yep. for people like me? That's trying to get over that like mental hurdle. <clears throat> um, I guess the, the freedom that comes from being your own boss full time is just totally worth, you know, whatever you can do to make that happen. At least in my experience, it has been. Um, and certainly there are some challenges. You got to sort your own benefits. We have to figure out our own health insurance and pay for that. We, um, we do our own uh, IRAs. So you definitely <laughs> don't want to neglect those things and someone else isn't going to take care of it for you. Um, but, you know, I think the there's certainly a lot of security that they're going to give up. But for me, I never really had the job security. Like looking back on things like, you know, I worked for a retail company that after a couple of years, they just let me go, you know, on a moment's notice. Um, before that, the company I worked for, they went under. So um, I left them before I was without a job anyway. So I think that in terms of building your own business, if it's something you're really passionate about, um, by investing in yourself and your own experience over time, you're certainly adding a lot, lot more value there. So, but personally, I would do everything I could to, um, to not have to take a job, uh, just to keep, keep working on my own terms and be able to do, you know, the freedom that we have, like being able to take the winter every morning and go skiing for a couple of hours. Uh, you just can't beat it. So I'm happy to work hard and, and put in a lot of time and effort to, to make that happen, whatever it takes. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's just it's a very it's a very scary leap. That's all. I want to do it. It's just, you know, scary. I ain't gonna lie. I got a wife and two kids. We got mouths to feed. <laughs> so Yeah, when I I mean when I took that leap, it was just me. I just had to worry about myself. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a different story. But I think, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm sure as you'll see your business grow tremendously over the next year, you'll be in a different position. So Yeah, I worked in a nuclear for a decade and then left that and started my own little thing and then started at the state and uh, hopefully the the goal is like june july like that that that'll be it so that's 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 our target that's on our vision statement if you will (laughs) yeah that's awesome (laughs) best of luck that's a really big goal yeah thanks well Let's do a little bonus section. Let's just do Let's chat about travel because I haven't, I haven't went anywhere. I haven't done anything. Well, I take that back. I, last year we had one couple. Uh, so, and all of our traveling last year, the only thing that we did is we went to the Berkshires, which is Western Massachusetts. For those of you that are listening, uh, we went to Western Mass, beautiful area, you know, for three days, they, they had their elopement, their little micro wedding and, 
but um, that that was it for us last year. Oh, it stunk. I mean, that didn't stink. Yeah, Just so not traveling stunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been rough. It's been rough. Like we usually try and hit a few new countries every year, and obviously that's not happening. So. I haven't left the uh, the country. We've gone as far as Hawaii. Um, as soon as that reopened, we try and do like a trip to Hawaii every year. So luckily, that worked out for us uh, last November. But yeah, we we well, actually it's funny you mentioned that we try to do the same thing. We try to do like one two countries each year. The um, uh, we went to Iceland year before last. It was Brit's thirtieth. So we, we went to Iceland for like 10 days and just kind of gallivanted around and that kind of stuff. And we were trying to take advantage of our, our youngest daughter. She, you know, is a lap infant, so she could have flown for free. Thanks, COVID. So now, now we got to pay for an entire <laughs> yeah, plane you, row. Yeah, two years old, that's not happening anymore. Yep, yep. So, but uh, what's next for you guys? Where you guys want to go next? Um, it's tough to say. We'll probably, so Amanda has a lot of family in England. That's where we got married a few years ago. So I think as soon as we're allowed to go back there, that's right definitely, we, we need to go back and see her relatives. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. She's got an older uncle. Um, so yeah, I guess we don't know how much more time we'll have with him. So she's been dying to see him as soon as possible. Um, so that's kind of like the first priority family wise. Uh, my family mostly lives in Texas. So we've been there a few times. Um, we spent some time with them around the holidays as well. So that's been fine. Um, I think what we're really looking forward to is doing like a big, we love going to Asia. So we'll probably do another, uh, long flight to Singapore and bounce over to Thailand or somewhere else in that area. So that's, that's my favorite part of the world. So really looking forward to get back, back there. So in, in the pre nine 11 in the military, you did what was called a libo cruise. That was just the term for it. So you would do a six month pump and I deployed in 2000, uh, on the what's called the 13th mew so we we i did a 13th marine expeditionary unit special operations capable it's a mew sock that's the, the full official title and <clears throat> man we we went to thailand twice uh, we you know we had singapore we were in hong kong for chinese new year we like it was a really like it was a it was a it was super inter- yeah i turned 19 on my way out in Hawaii as we were leaving the West coast. Like I had my 19th birthday in Hawaii. That's insane. I just left Ohio. You know what I mean? Like I'd never done anything crazy before. Like that was, I grew up in the Midwest and next thing you know, I'm out of, I'm out of boot camp for seven months and I'm on a ship going all over the world. So <laughs> it was my Navy plug. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I like, uh, that's awesome. Uh, Brittany and I for our, um, honeymoon we went scuba diving in palau which was fantastic so that's amazing yeah that's supposed to be really cool i got a buddy that does a lot of diving and he he went out there to do some diving he actually shoots on a red too and films like a lot of cool stuff with like great white sharks and that sort of thing but um funny story is he was doing some consulting work and um he was working with autel one of the drone companies and he got us, uh, a man and myself, to go out, basically paid. Uh, we went to Palawan in the Philippines for a few days and filmed a bunch of drone oh, footage right on. that we sent in and they used it on social media and that sort of thing. But 
that was that was really cool. That's um in terms of beautiful beaches, Palawan in the Philippines, like unlike anything else. Like uh, I think Thailand's very beautiful, but it's also very busy. And when in the Philippines, mm -hmm. I mean, we went to beaches that were pretty much like private. You take a catamaran out there, and you'd be like alone with your small group for like several hours, and it's it's unreal. The wa water's like crystal clear, and it's just like everything you dream about. Like I guess if you're uh, looking at like, you know, maybe Bora Bora, the Maldives, just thinking of like other really beautiful places I'd like to go, but it was amazing. Yeah. Two months ago, uh, believe it or not, Brittany, we use Costco travel. So just the company Costco, like we, we book our travel nine times out of 10 through Costco because they get amazing rates. And this is not a plug for Costco. It's just, we just, it's cheap and it comes with a ton of stuff. Uh, but I got a, an email from them that, uh, is it Bora Bora? Yeah. French Polynesia, Bora Bora. They were doing, um, for $3,600. If you went between like January 15th and February 28th, that was your airfare from LAX to Bora Bora through air Tahiti, I think is what it was. Um, it was four nights, all expenses paid. Like it was just amazing. And I, I kid you not, we called Brittany's parents and we're like, Hey, we can fly to California. Cause they live just outside LA. We can fly to California. We can drop the kids off with you and you guys can have some quality time with the kids. Cause you haven't seen them in a year. And then we can, we're going to go like, we'll just jump on our flight to, to Bora Bora, man. They were like, no, no, we're good. It's like, you <laughs> what? <laughs> But it that was dirt cheap. Yeah, because uh, French Polynesia opened up, I want to say in like July, they lifted all their restrictions. Because you have to test negative three days before you get there. And then they give you a test when you get in country. And you got to take that like a day or two after you've been there and then show that you're you're negative. So they've, they've done a, a good job of trying to keep their tourism industry up and then keep people safe at the same time. So we were... I was actually I was, I was living in cloud nine thinking that maybe maybe we get out of here, but no, no, we put the kibosh on that real quick. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that's one place but, uh, that I've, I've really been dying to go. To, like we love Four Seasons hotels, so I've really been dying to go to the Four Seasons in Bora Bora. It looks amazing, but you're looking at well over a thousand bucks a night plus a seaplane ride and just all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. So I think you're in it for like ten grand plus. You know, Someday. yeah. This that that package had you were in like the huts that are on the water. Like that was, you You were at that, wherever that resort was like, that's where you were staying. And it was, it was insane. If I was single, I would have been out there in a heartbeat. <laughs> Get me two. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. My favorite thing to do traveling is um, I've gotten really into the whole points game and we have just had like some really <laughs> ridiculous flights that we've paid pretty much next to nothing for. So that's my favorite thing to do. We've done like Singapore Airlines first class, Cathay Pacific first class. Um, we fly with United a lot. So I've probably flown business class on all their airplanes, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a great experience yeah. when you're flying long haul and you got a nice big bed and great service. So we love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, I've been dying to, I just want to see the Emirates, the new cabin that they have. They have a first class cabin that has a bed like it's like an apartment 
You know what I mean? It's like a 300 square foot apartment in the plane. It's just nuts. Yeah. I would never be able to, it's like a $30,000 flight. Like that's not a joke. Uh, but yeah. So you can use Amex points now. You can book it for like probably a hundred, 200 bucks in taxes and just pay, you know, if you save up your enough points with your business over a few years, you'd, you'd be surprised how easy it is to make that happen. Yeah. 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 I need to, um, uh, you know, it's interesting. You brought that up with, we, we use Rockland trust, you know, the local, I'm sure you see them all over new England. Um, and I got to switch my credit card over to where it starts getting points. Cause the credit card that they originally gave us, it's, it's nothing, you know what I mean? It's just nothing but interest. All you're doing is paying interest <laughs> so yeah. there's no benefits to it, but uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. I, one, we've been eyeballing the Bahamas only because like JetBlue offers a nonstop flight. So you go from Logan to Nassau. It's what, three, three and a half hours, four hours, something like that. And yep. yeah, it's that much further so we, than we've been looking Florida. down there. Yeah. yeah. Not for, yeah. Not, hey, not anybody that lives in we Florida, if you're listening. <laughs> Adam, horrible, um, you know what else is also really close to the Florida? Oh, I lived in Florida. I could go on and on for a, a long time about Florida. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Bermuda, I think, is often um, very underlooked, especially from the East Coast. You can get there in like two hours. Um, it's just a really beautiful island. It's not quite as south. It's not quite as tropical, but beautiful beaches and certainly a, a really fun place to, to hang out for a few days. I'm going to make a really lame joke. Aren't you worried about the triangle? <laughs> so actually if you if you worry about the triangle you probably shouldn't go to the bahamas either <laughs> yeah because don't you have to fly right through it <laughs> i'm only kidding I, I don't think that there's anything crazy going on the yeah so i'm the i'm the last person that believes in that kind of stuff don't worry um but yeah i mean we've we've been eyeballing just somewhere you know it seems really cliche because we're in new england right now but just very sunny and tropical like we just, we just want to get away for a few days. So, but it's obviously, you know, we understand how difficult it is to travel during COVID and that kind of stuff. Like we, I want to make it abundantly clear that we, we haven't had a chance to do anything like we've, and that's what I think is really getting to us. Like the cabin fever. It's, it's been a year. Did you go to, um, uh, uh, B list last year? No. Um, we were going to, but I think we were traveling, so we couldn't make it to that. But I remember that whole story anyway. <laughs> yeah, that that was the last event that Brittany and I did together. Like the VA was just losing yeah. their mind when I called them because I was like, we've been exposed to somebody with coronavirus. It's like March 8th. <laughs> and they're like, there's no tests. There's no, there's no way for us. And they said something like if I started, which I didn't have symptoms. I didn't, you know, neither of us were sick by any means. Like we just... But uh, they were like, if you start to experience symptoms, you have to go to like the Massachusetts CDC or whatever. They're uh, immunology people because the VA didn't have anything. They were just like calling me like every three days. Like, what's going on? Like, do you need to come in? Like, that's and I'm like, no, I feel just fine. Like, I don't we were never sick. So we, you know, we we never luckily we've avoided COVID. I like to keep it like that, too. So. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, we actually filmed a 1000 plus person sales conference the first week of March last year. So that was the big last big event that we did. Uh, and a couple weeks after that, my cousin actually got really sick with COVID. So very early on, uh, he ended up he's same like same age as me, he ended up being intubated twice. And luckily, he's he's fine mm. now he's doing much better. But it's scary. And obviously, given everything that, you know, given like seeing that happen within your own family, we've been super careful, like we have traveled a lot. But We've just been really adamant about keeping our masks on, you know, the the hand hygiene, everything, everything that they say to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Brittany yesterday. As a matter of fact, we were coming back. We were grabbing some food and she was talking to me about flying. And I was like, I might wear just like a regular paper N95 mask on flights just going forward. Because you didn't really think about how gross everything was until this happened. And then now that you've been eyeballing things, like, I'm like, man, like, we are just disgusting. <laughs> like, that's just, like, I might just, if I have to get on the commuter rail, I'm definitely, I'm wearing a gas mask on the commuter rail. <laughs> that much. So. <sighs> yeah. And it's funny because that's been so common in, you know, in Asia for as Asia, long as yeah. we've been alive, people have worn masks, you know, when, whenever they feel sick or whenever they're worried about getting sick and it's just been part of their culture. So. Um, and I think for a lot of Western people, they might look at, might have looked at that in the past and thought it was a bit weird, but not anymore. I think it's going to be part of our, our culture as well. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have a shift. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Man, have you been to Marrakesh? Yes, we went there for, uh, funny enough, Amanda and I got married in England on like a Wednesday. We didn't book our little mini moon after we went to Marrakesh like two days mm -hmm. after our wedding. Uh, we stayed at the Four Seasons. Oh, right. It was insane, and it was really cheap too. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been eyeballing that. I had I had a job offer at a nuclear power plant in Abu Dhabi, and we were this close, this close. Like I was, Brittany was pregnant with our daughter Piper, and we were close. Like I was getting ready to pull the trigger, and then we we decided not to. But that would have been the perfect stepping off point because we were an hour and a half outside of Abu Dhabi and you were three hours from Dubai. You could fly anywhere in the world from those two hubs on like, um, uh, Emirates or I think it's just air Abu Dhabi, but Eddie had, we were, yeah, Eddie had, that's what it is. Eddie had. Yep. The, uh, uh, but we were eyeballing like going to, What's the place in Jordan where they filmed Indiana Jones? Perth? Petra. Petra. Like you can go to Petra, Jordan in like a day. Like you fly there in the morning, go to Petra, see the, they, they built that city inside of the cliffs. So that's, there's an opening shot in one of the Indiana Jones movies where he comes out on a camel and they, they like pan up to this like really ornate structure that's just in the, it's just uh, carved out of the sand. And, but you could go there because you don't need to be there for weeks. You just go to Petra, see it for the day. And then you're back on a flight going like, you know, I, the selling point to her back then was uh, I was on, I would have been on four tens. So Thursday night we could dip out go to the Abu Dhabi international airport and be in Paris in time for dinner. Like we could be eating dinner at like 10 PM in Paris and then spend the three day weekend there and then come back. Like it was, 
Like we, I think we would have had a lot of fun doing that. We would have traveled all over the place, but yeah, Bernie didn't want to move to the Middle East and I got it. I wasn't mad. Yeah, we were, we were live streaming uh, a wedding ceremony and I looked at the computer. I was doing it by myself. So I was, I shot the wedding and I was also live streaming it for him, which was a, I would not recommend doing that because that's a ton of work to do like instantaneously during a ceremony. But, um, uh, I look over and the feed is frozen and I ran over to the comments in YouTube cause we just, we were doing a single camera feed and I just left a comment and I, I didn't say like, Oh, can everybody see anything? I was like, how does everything look? And I put a question mark and you know, I said, isn't like, isn't she beautiful? And I hit enter and walked away, got a couple more shots and came back and looked and I could see people replying. I was like, Oh, they can see it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my litmus test for, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, uh, I think that, I think that a lot of people really overlook finding new ways to do stuff, like getting out of their comfort zone and, you know, just, just trying new things like live streaming. Like it's not super difficult. There's a learning curve to it, you know, but once you figure it out and you know how to troubleshoot some things should be okay. But a lot of people just don't want to get out of there. Yeah. And like it or not, live streaming is going to be a big part of what we're doing for a long time to come. So I feel like it's yeah. one of those things where you really, you really got to get on board or you're going to lose business. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, I, we've been talking about raising the price of our live stream, but then offering like multi-camera. Cause right now we only, we offer one camera with the efficient microphone, you know, fed into it. So that wireless go is connected right to it. But now that the wireless go two came out, you can get the audio from the groom. You can get the audio from the efficient, you know, and then we can set up more cameras. So like buying like a Yolo box or, um, uh, What's, I've seen a wireless receiver. I just can't think of who who makes it. I just seen it. It looked pretty good. It was yeah, like I don't know. Six hundred. We use all the black magic stuff, and yeah, the, eight, the uh, ATM the Ada Mini is the one that we're using. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's got like four inputs, and then we have a couple of little wireless um, transmitters that we use for some of our cameras, and it works out great. So we usually feed the three cameras into it, and um, we still do a cleaned up edit of it after, but for the live stream experience. I've had like one couple said their friends said it was like watching a reality TV wedding. So <laughs> I guess that's about as good of a compliment as you'll get for, for a live stream. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jeff, I had a lot of fun talking to you. I really did. Like, yeah, I'm, me too. I'm glad that we, let's do this we in real life sometime and... when, uh, when we're past COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah, I do. I think everybody's just ready for this to be over and in, in a good way. Like that's, you know, people, you know, we just got to buckle down and keep doing what we're doing, and get through this crap. So I know yep. there's a light yeah, at the end of the tunnel, especially soon. in Massachusetts. So that March 22nd. So everybody, for those of you that don't know in, in mass on March 22nd, I think it's a hundred people inside for wedding videos, 150 outside. And then they're allowing dancing again. So they're, so that's, people are pretty stoked out here that things are starting to open back up. But I think, I think overall as a state, we've done really well with just kind of how we handled it and that kind of stuff. I mean, 
Yeah, definitely. Having traveled a Just bunch, I've seen masks. that uh, Massachusetts has definitely done really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. So I'm, um, yeah, I think, I think we'll be all right. I think this year, I think this year is going to be booming for a lot of people. I think it's going to be just a bow wave of stuff that's going to start to roll through because we've, we've been booking weddings already, let alone when it's just, you know, open, open. It's not hypothetical. Like it's not this mythical date of March 22nd. So we're excited. We're excited to get things rolling and get to sit down and chat with you rather than, you know, yeah. just going back and forth and email and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, but, we can't yeah, wait. I can't, it's, I can't thank I you. I think, yeah, my pleasure. I was just going to say my biggest thing, like for what we enjoy most about weddings is a great band. Um, so I think that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to the most is just getting back to those big parties again, instead of these tiny little, you know, 20, 30 people weddings with no dancing. Yeah, we, I was on a, a discovery call yesterday or day before yesterday. And they were like, how do you, how do you like working with a band? I was like, I love working with a band. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like there are people that don't. <laughs> That's like, why wouldn't, what? So George had said something on, on our last podcast about, uh, he seen a, somebody like somebody in a band had moved a photographer's flash and they were like full blown arguing, like on the dance floor, we were talking about things that you shouldn't be doing. And, uh, it was just every now, now, whenever I think of a band, that's what I think of. I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> let's, let's try not to argue with them. But, you know, like I said, Jeff, it was so awesome having you on. And I, I really can't wait to do this again. Um, if you guys have not checked Jeff's stuff out, you can see him on Instagram at ReadySetFilm underscore official or ReadySetFilm.com. You know, I, I can't stress it enough. I'd love to have you come back on. It was great just chatting with you. You know, we, we got to get together, grab a beer, do something. Um, so if you like this, you know, be sure to subscribe, like, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Wedding Videography for Beginners. We hope everybody is staying safe. We hope everybody is healthy. And we will see you guys here in a couple weeks. All right. Bye. Are you looking at a really nice camera you can't afford? Are you wondering how companies afford six red Monstro 8K cameras and all the trimmings? You need to make more money so you can buy one. No, I'm kidding. You need to rent Renting equipment is way easier than you think. You can ship it all back and forth from your house, and it's way cheaper than buying. Best of all, you should include the rental cost in your pricing to pass on the expense, because you're shooting with better gear. Wouldn't it be great to use something other than a Canon SL2 for your next project? Rent a Sony a7S 3 or a Canon 1DX Mark III. You don't need to buy them. We rent additional cameras, lighting gear, and audio equipment all the time from Borrow Lenses. We've never had a late shipment or anything other than an awesome experience with our customer service. Use our affiliate link below to get renting today and you'll have professional equipment tomorrow.